Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. continuing on in our lessons from the land series and today we make our way to the Sea of Galilee or sometimes called the Sea of Tenereth um, which is um, another name for it. Some translations will have that, some will have the Sea of Galilee. Today our translation has the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to read a couple of passages, one from Deuteronomy and one from Matthew. We're in Deuteronomy in our project of reading through the Bible. But it's important on this one, I think, also to recall the story in Matthew. So we will hear both today. And then a video will follow me reading the scripture as it has been doing. I encourage you when you look at the Sea of Galilee footage to understand that I am not turning the camera when you see it panning across the footage. I am turning the footage. Um, And I'll explain a little bit more of that in just a bit. So hear now these words, uh, first from Deuteronomy 3, 16 to 20, and then Matthew 14. To the Reubenites and the Gadites, I gave land from the Gilead as far as the Arnon River, the middle of the river being the boundary line, to the Jabbok River, which is the boundary line with the Ammonites. Also the desert plain with the Jordan River as the boundary from the Galilee Sea down to the Desert Sea, or the Dead Sea, below the slopes of Mount Pisgah on the east. Then I commanded you, although the Lord your God has given you this land to possess, you must now cross over before the rest of your Israelite relatives as a fighting force ready for battle. However, your wives, children, and herds, I know you have lots of herds, may remain in the towns that I have given you. Once the Lord settles your relatives as you have been settled, And they also possess the land that the Lord your God is giving them across the Jordan River. Each of you can return to the property that I have given to you. And then from Matthew. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat fighting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning, he came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! They were so frightened, they screamed. Just then Jesus spoke to them, Be encouraged, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. As he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, saying, You man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be God's son. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I want to start out today talking a little bit about the value of boundaries. And, I, and when I think about boundaries, the first thing that kind of comes to mind are those boundaries that were established in childhood, right? Typically around movement. 
Like you cannot go out of the house without somebody with you. Okay, you can't get out of the yard without somebody with you. Okay, you cannot cross the street without somebody with you. You cannot walk to school without somebody with you. Oh, the day when I got to walk to school by myself. Right? Like it finally felt like those boundaries were finally reaching a new, a new level. But there are some values in having those limits and having those boundaries. And one of those is that it meets us where we are and it recognizes what we can handle in the moment. As a small child, you don't really understand the dangers of cars whipping by, right? And so having those boundaries allows us to to kind of grow in our understanding and grow in what's expected of us. And that is also true in that boundaries do set our expectations. They give us peace and comfort. When you know what is expected of you, when you know this is as far as I need you to go, then you can rest in that. There's some peace in it. There's some comfort in that knowledge. The book of Deuteronomy is to some extent helping to set the boundaries for the Israelite people. It's in one way setting the limits of their identity, right? That we're giving all of the, the laws that they are to abide. And so it's sort of setting the limits of how they are to understand relating to God and to themselves. And it helps define who the people of God are. But also in this part, as they are getting ready to cross the Jordan and go into the land, it is setting the limits on the land, which has to speak into the heart of a wandering people, right? They have been wandering for 40 years, not knowing where they're going. They are now going to be bound into a place and that will provide comfort and rest for them. They have defined their homeland, And in this passage that I just read, the Sea of Galilee is one of the limits of that homeland. It's a limit for the Israelites. It sort of marks a northern limit for this people. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about how that that was a boundary for us on this trip as well. That was pretty much as far north as we went on our journey. And... We had felt like we were wandering in the wilderness. I mean, this was, you've heard some of the stories, a very intense trip. It took a lot of effort. It wasn't just physical effort, and there was certainly that, but there was a lot of spiritual effort and processing and all of that that had to happen. And if you ask the people that went on the trip, almost all of us will say that the Sea of Galilee was one of our favorite places. And In fact, maybe all of us would say that. And I think in part because it let us catch our breath. We were on a boat. It was an incredibly peaceful morning. There was not a lot of walking to get there. And we could just sit and hear the peace of the waters and be comforted by the fact that we were in this place where Jesus had been with his disciples. But are we meant to stay in those places of comfort? I mean, we may want to. We may want to. (laughs) Catching your breath is a great feeling. The problem is there's always a storm on the horizon, right? One of the interesting things about the Sea of Galilee is it's surrounded by mountains, and within those mountain ranges, there are valleys. And what happens is that storms start where the valleys and and the mountains break on the land, and then they get hooked into the valleys, 
And what happens is that the valleys create a sort of slingshot, and they slingshot storms over the Sea of Galilee. So that the people who were on the Sea of Galilee had little to no warning that a storm was coming. They didn't have apps, right? They couldn't look and get advanced information. Um, and then the geography obscures the storm. And so all of a sudden, you could be on the Sea of Galilee and there could be a storm on you like that. And you wouldn't know what was happening. And it is comforting to know that Jesus walks into those places where those storms are and does bring peace. But let us also remember that Jesus brings disruption as well. What are the miracles, if not disruptions, of the way we expect things to happen? That's what miracles are. Miracles exceed those boundaries. Miracles exceed the limits. And Jesus calls us into those miracles. Jesus has the same call on our life as Jesus has for Peter, which is to step out and to walk on the water and to expect we can. Now, did you notice something interesting about this passage? I think we always tend to focus on the fact that Jesus tells Peter to come walk on water. But do you see that it wasn't actually Jesus who had the idea? It was Peter. Peter said, Jesus, if it's really you, call me out to walk on the water. Because something in Peter expected that he could do it. He knew in the presence of Jesus Christ, miracles were happening all the time. So why couldn't he walk on water? And so he does. He steps out and steps out of what is comfortable. And that same call is on us. To step out and to break boundaries, especially to break boundaries that allow us to reach people with love, to walk on water. But note that in Peter's story, though, there's a wind, a strong headwind. And it is not the walking on water that makes Peter doubt. It's the wind that makes Peter doubt. It's the headwind he's up against that makes him falter and start to sink. Not the miracle of walking on water, but the everyday reality that there's wind in his face. That makes me wonder, what if Peter thought to do this on a calm day? He spent a lot of time on a boat with Jesus. Not every day was there a storm. Why didn't he say, hey, Jesus, I'd like to step out while the water is nice and smooth. You saw it. It's pretty. If there had been no headwind, how far would Peter have walked? How far would he have walked if there wasn't a storm? Why is it that he had to wait for the storm to expect the miracle? You know, for the last um, two and a half years, really, except for the last six months or so, we have been in the midst of a pretty strong storm. There's still remnants of it around, absolutely, but we've been in the midst of a, of a pretty strong storm. And, you know, we did a lot of walking on water. We walked on water as a church. You walked on water in your careers. You walked on water at home. We did a lot of miracle happenings in the midst of that. But I don't know about you, I felt a lot of times like I had unsteady feet, like I was sinking because there was a strong headwind. And even in the moments in which I was excited at the innovations that were happening, 
I was tired. In fact, I was exhausted. And so you understand, I understand this temptation to rest, to catch our breath, and we need that. We, we need that reality. But we can't get too comfortable. And if we wait for the next storm to try to walk on water, we're going to face a headwind. Whereas if in this time of calm, when things are starting to level out, now we should step out onto the water. I'm going to invite Mary Nell and Jackie to come up now and, and to share what their experience was. They, they just tried on the virtual reality headsets. When I said, pay attention to the fact that the footage moves, I'm not turning the camera. I'm turning the footage. I shot the Holy Land. Come on up, up here. I shot the Holy Land in 360-degree footage. And that's not the, just this. It's a sphere. It shoots the entire reality around you. And then when you put on a VR headset, you're in that reality. So I'm going to let them share what that experience was like. They, they got to go to the Sea of Galilee today. Well, I was just blown away practically. I'm ready to buy one. <laughs> and uh, they're not too high. But anyway, um, it was just an amazing thing for me. I'm, I'm sort of losing my vision right now and, and my hearing and I told her I was, this was a great thing for me to try, and so I put it on, and it was just beautiful. I mean, everything in, in it was gorgeous, and if you just turned your head a little bit, you'd be in another setting completely, almost. And then one time, it went back, and it started forward, and I thought I was literally falling in the ocean water. I mean, that's the way it felt. And I went, ah! And she said, no, you're fine, and, and then you can turn it this way and see other people and things and hearing is not a problem at all. You could hear everything that was going on around us. And it was lightweight. Um, it's kind of goofy looking, I think, but I've seen it on TV, other people wearing them, and I think we'll see a lot more of them in this country in the next few years. Thank you for letting me experience it. Jackie, come on up. Hi. <laughs> um, at first, I thought it was just going to be so much fun because of the virtual reality, and I didn't really understand why we were doing it. Um, but what you said up here just made a lot of sense because when you're doing that virtual reality, you're in it. I mean, you're totally in it. And you were talking about experiencing that Sea of Galilee and what you experienced and what everybody else did. It really brings you there. Like, you are fully in it. And it's a lot of fun, but it also, it's amazing. Yes. So I think it's a great addition. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to Mary Nell and Jackie for volunteering. Um, it's really stunning. And I, did, I didn't know what I was doing when I stuck the camera out over, out of the boat. But it does have that effect. It makes you feel like you are suddenly walking on the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to call that an inspiration from God that I did that. Um, I want to share with you when I invited my son to put this VR headset on what happened. Now, a little bit of background on my son. He has always been one of those kids who like to exceed the childhood boundaries. Um, let, me, let me give an example. We had to put the covers on the door handles to keep him from leaving to go outside, right? Those little plastic covers. And we kept finding them on the ground, popped off of the door handles. 
Um, and we could not figure out what was going on until one day I noticed he had dismantled the laundry hamper in his room that was made of PVC pipe. He had dismantled it and he was walking around saying, key mama, key, key mama, key. Um, he was taking the PVC pipe and inserting it into the hole on the front of those covers and popping it and popping the cover off the door handles. And they were his key. They allowed him to go wherever he wanted to go. Um, so that gives you a little bit of sense of my son. And he picked up the VR and I showed him the footage that I showed them and that you saw part of um, on the screen. And he said, oh man, this is really cool. Oh, I'm out over the water. And I said, yes. And he said, can I walk on it? I said, I don't know. No one's tried. And he said, okay. Oh, there goes the boat. Now, you can't back very far because you're kind of backing into a curve. Um, but he, he, he walked on water and thought to do it. And then when he did, I had to try it, right? You know, and that's the wonderful thing. When I've been asking these four questions of people, and I ask that one, if you could do anything, what would you do? It's always kids that think beyond where, where everybody else is thinking, right? My best answers have come from kids. I asked one, you know, if you could do anything, what would you do? And he said, I would move the position of the earth to correct climate change, right? Right. Whereas when I ask adults that, they're like, I'll take a vacation, Maybe make sure my parents have a nice house. You know, those are good things, but I said anything. I said you could do anything. Kids exceed, adults don't. Kids push the boundaries. Adults are already, we've already contained ourselves in. I asked uh, when I was doing a training recently, why do we say no before we dream of yes? Don't we cut off God's miracles when we do that? Because it's Peter that instigated a miracle in this story, not Jesus. I mean, Jesus was walking on water. That's one miracle. But Peter did the other one, right? And the thing is, we can expect God's miracles and we can step into them. And we can do it. We can wait for the storm to kind of push us out of the boat. Or we can step out in calm waters. We follow a God who leads us beside still waters, right? And maybe invites us. There, there is a wonderful thing about our God in that our God gives us both those places of comfort and rest, those places of peace, those places where we catch our breath, those still waters. And we follow a God that invites us to think beyond possibilities and to step out further than we think we could. We follow a God of both rest and peace and miracle making, both. All we have to do is really, truly follow that God into both places. So let God heal your soul. Let God provide you that place of comfort. Let God help you catch your breath. But before the next storm comes, step out of the boat. Take a chance. Envision what's possible. Step out and expect, expect to be part of a miracle. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. 
If you would like to let us know you are here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example for radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.